0: Please be aware, the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be disturbing, frightening, and in some cases, offensive. Therefore, listener discretion is advised. You know what? There's very adult content ahead, and you know what? You've been warned. That's the end of it. sit back, grab your favorite drink, relax, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, we're going to be looking into a dark conspiracy and a mysterious death, although I might end the episode with a little rant, so you might want to stay tuned for that. Anyways, with that said, we will still be playing our drinking game, and as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home, <laughs> like we're all at home, and have nowhere else to go tonight, which everything is closed, so that's like everyone. The choice of libation is always yours, so choose your poison accordingly. Alright, now for the game part. How about every time I say, Corey, that will be a single shot. And every time I say Canada, that will be a double shot. Alright, now that we've got the business end out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's Dark Enigma, and the mysterious death of Corey Sherby. On August 22, 2011, a woman by the name of Gladys Sherby stopped by to see her son, Corey Sherby at his home in Chilliwack in British Columbia, Canada. It was a totally routine visit, something she'd done many times before, and there was really no reason at all for her to have expected anything strange when she came to the door. Yet, repeated rings of the doorbell and knocks gained no response from within, so she let herself in. What she would find within the living room would be a chilling sight that would scar her for life and launch a grim, horrific mystery orbited by conspiracy that still hasn't been solved to this very day. There on his knees, knelt over the sofa with his face pressed into the cushions, was Corey Sherby, and he was very dead. Around the body and sofa was an expansive pool of some sort of black liquid that seemed to be blood, which had blossomed out from the body to dry upon the wood floor. But even more horrifying was the state of the man's face. When the mother turned the body over, she was shocked to see that her son was unrecognizable, extremely pale, and with ears that appeared to be missing. She would say his face was white, his eyelids were white, and I couldn't find his ears. I could feel the holes, but I couldn't find the ears. She also said that a look around showed bloody footprints around the house, and at this point she'd seen enough, fleeing the home to call the police. When authorities arrived, they could find no sign of forced entry or struggle of any kind, and oddly, police would later claim that there had been no bloody footprints when they had arrived. They did find one strange clue in a cardboard box in the hallway closet upon which the cryptic words better be a funeral were sloppily scrawled, but there was no way at all to know if this was linked to the death or what it really meant. When the body was examined, there were found no external injuries or signs of a struggle, no noticeable way for all of that blood to have come out, and it was surmised that the pool of blood had probably been due to the body naturally expunging its fluids after death. The coroner would examine the body and determine that Corey had died of acute combined cocaine and ethanol intoxication but there are a lot of reasons to doubt this prognosis according to his family and many clues that don't add up with the official police story. One of the most shocking series of clues that the family has come forward with that point to murder are assertions that there had indeed been bloody footprints they had seen around the house as well as blood on a doorknob A bloody fingerprint on Corey's wallet, which was missing all of its money, and most chillingly, a piece of skull allegedly found on the floor. Corey's uncle, Marty Jordan, would later say, and I quote, I was struck immediately by the bloody footprints on the stairs and the staggering volume of blood on the floor. And to my dismay, a portion of my nephew's scalp was laying in the middle of the living room floor. End quote. Of course, there is also that rather odd detail of the mother claiming that he had had only holes for ears, which hasn't really been mentioned or even explained since. Why wasn't any of this in the police report? How could they make such a huge mistake as to leave it out? Who knows? There was also the fact that Corey was known to be completely sober and had never done drugs. Because of this, his father would scoff at the official cause of death, saying, Drugs and alcohol? Corey wouldn't take a goddamn aspirin. Adding to the family's suspicion of foul play was also a curious incident that had happened the last time anyone had seen Corey alive. On August 19th, Corey's father claimed that he had stopped by his son's house to drop off some burgers for dinner, and as he was there, he saw that Corey had been with a woman he didn't recognize. This stranger was described as wearing a leather jacket and slippers, but that was all he could see because his son hastily sent him on his way while refusing to talk about the woman. The next time anyone saw Corey again, he would be dead. This seems like it should be a valuable lead, but the family claims that police did nothing to follow up on it, or even ask for a detailed description of the woman. Odd indeed. The family would go about sending letters asking the police and courts to launch a reinvestigation and inquest into the death based on all of this evidence, but it was slow going and met without any success. In the eyes of authorities, Corey had died of drugs and alcohol case closed. Yet, even then, weird clues would come in over the years. Towards the end of 2011, Corey's friend, Tammy Burdon, allegedly came to the home of Corey's parents, looking flustered and acting paranoid, saying that Corey had been murdered and that the perpetrators were out to get her as well. A few months later, on February the 3rd of 2012, Tammy was found dead the official cause? That she had cut her finger and died of blood poisoning. Yeah, that's weird. Things would get more bizarre still when in 2014, Corey's family say they received a creepy anonymous letter in the mail, which had been typewritten and read, and I quote, Dear Mr. and Mrs. Sherby, Shakespeare said, Hell hath no fury than a woman scorned. That's the kind of homicide it was, a scorned woman. Those who know it was belonging belong to tight a group to say a word. I think your son Cory decided too late to back off and it jeopardized his well-being, his life. Sincerely, a reader of the CHWK Times. So what is the significance of this letter, if anything? Is there any lead to be had here, or is it just a kook messing with everybody? It's impossible to say, and all through this, authorities insisted that there's no reason to suspect foul play, with Chief Superintendent Brian Cantera declaring that they have no reason to believe that any person is responsible for Corey's death. Finally, in 2019, after years of the family appealing to the courts for an inquest into the death, one was finally granted, but the results won't be known until April of 2020. So we won't know until then, and even then, one suspects the answer will not be clearly divulged. In the end, we have no idea what happened to Corey Sherby. Was he murdered, and if so, why? Did he commit suicide? Was it really a drug overdose, as the authorities would like us to believe? Why all of the obfuscation on the part of law enforcement and mismatch of details? And how do we explain the myriad odd clues surrounding the case? It's truly a mysterious death surrounded by oddness, police mishandling, and conspiracies. And I guess, well, we'll just have to wait to see if any of it ever gets resolved. So, that's the story of Corey Sherby. I'm going to do a little PSA, so it's probably going to be about a minute or two, so if you don't want to listen to me going off on a rant, you're welcome to just fast forward to the end of the episode, but I'd like to talk to you, my lovely listeners, because I know you guys are wonderful, and I know you know some of these people that I'm about to rant about, but... I understand that there is an illness that is going around, and everybody has lost their ever-loving fucking minds. I'm going to tell you that I live in Georgia, which you guys already know, and there is no toilet paper for 50 miles around my house. There hasn't been any toilet paper for two weeks now, which is absolutely insane. I can't order from Amazon, I can't order from Walmart.com, I can't even get it from my local dollar store, and I'm so sick and tired of people going in there and buying every piece of food that they can find, and not realizing that, you know what, there's going to be a truck tomorrow, and you don't need to buy every single piece of frozen pizza so that nobody else can have any food. Now, I don't know if you guys are like me, but you know what? I work for a living, and I only have a limited amount of time to do grocery shopping. And now that most of the stores are closing at 8 and 9 o'clock, which, by the way, I don't get off until 8 o'clock, means Nicole doesn't get to shop very much, in, if any at all. And when, by, when I finally get to the store, it's pretty much empty and closed. So, at this point, I've been living on frozen fish sticks and and tater tots and you know what I don't like frozen frozen fish sticks and I hate tater tots so I'm talking to the little piggies out there who don't know how to deal with other people and are if I hear one more person tell me that that is not Christian I'm going to tell them to take that Christian and shove it up their motherfucking ass I'm not even joking anymore so my darlings, if you have toilet paper, somebody please message me. I will be more than happy to give you the address so you can send me toilet paper. And if anybody, anybody has anything besides fish sticks and fucking tater tots, oh my God, message me because there is no food anywhere around here and I'm dying. I'm joking. I do have food. I'm just annoyed that I can't buy the food that I want. Anyways, my darlings, I love you all. You know this. And with that, we've come to the end of the episode, and I do thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio, and I hope that you'll take the time to reach out to me and tell me some lovely stories of people actually being a community during this craziness, because I'd like to hear something good for a change, which is why I don't listen to the news anymore. As always, you can reach me and the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com, and if you have a suggestion for a future show, or you just want to tell me what you think, or if you want to send me, instead of a dick pic, a picture of toilet paper, that would be fucking hilarious, so go ahead and do it. Drop me a line, because I do reply to every single email. And on that note, my darlings, well, that's all the energy I have for it for tonight, because I am so sick and tired of things. I thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio and don't forget to tune in next time my darlings. See you my heathen's. I love you darlings. Mwah. mwah, 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 mwah. We don't sugarcoat shit. <laughs> this is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.